Yeah, now I'm recording. Okay. Recording. <laughs> okay. Hi, David. Hello, Batsheva. Okay, How so I, I am uh, Batsheva Ross, and you are David, David Bernstein. And we are here on Level 5 Radio. And since we are both uh, Jewish artists, and not only Jewish artists, Jewish with a very close uh, upbringing to Judaism, and uh, that actually is influencing our work, we decided to have one-on-one -on -one conversation here to kind of have a support group or understanding or just uh, thinking together how is it to be Jewish artists, how does it influence our work, what's the difference between us and our approaches, etc. What, what else? I guess it's also that we're, we're centering the conversation around being an artist who is Jewish or ma making work as an artist about Judaism and what is the role of Judaism how does it how does it influence our art and how does our art also change the way that we see Judaism okay let's start your upbringing you were you were born in Texas yeah I was born in San Antonio in San Antonio and you are part of a community uh a reconstructionist, reconstructionist community. So that's uh, a form of Judaism started in the U.S. in the 1960s, let's say. And it's a kind of sometimes called hippie Judaism, where you have women rabbis, you have intermarriage. It's basically the idea of it comes from Mordechai Kaplan, as well as his uh, son-in-law, I think. Mm -hmm. And together, they really wanted to modernize Judaism and, and approach it as a living tradition where um, we change the religion as society changes. So we incorporate the ways that we think today with the religion, but we still try to take things from the religion that we, that we find interesting. And you say we... As a, now you, are, you feel you're still part of the community and... Uh how is your feel, approach as an adult? Uh, I don't feel part specifically of Reconstructionism as like an identity, but yeah. it, I feel that's a sort of foundation that I have for the religion, and it shapes how I think, and it also is something that I'm learning about more and more now, because when I grew up in it, I didn't really know what it was, and we didn't really talk about the ideas behind it. Like, I didn't know who Mordechai Kaplan was, and I didn't know the his belief system, and or the way that the synagogue that I grew up in had its own certain ideology and way of practicing Judaism. So I say we as a Jewish person and, and as a person who grew up as a reconstructionist, but I would say that I'm I would say that I'm much more independent Jewish person. Mm. Well, I I was brought up in Jerusalem to an Orthodox family. I think I mean most both my parents are Anglo-Saxon. So I would be considered somehow, I guess, as part of a more uh, modern Orthodox, what they call, uh, that's more part of like uh, Anglo-Saxon, I would say, uh, Orthodox that actually are quite, uh, they go to university, they are more uh, in, into the, they are emerged within the public society. And my parents are both scholars within uh, Judaism, so it was very much talked about, and my parents are quite pioneer in actually um, looking at ways of Orthodox of becoming more more adaptable or more open to uh, the modern way and the contemporary lifestyle. Uh, it's still Orthodox. Now me, I I can say I split up in a way from my upbringing. At age 18, I decided I'm not going to be orthodox and I'm not going to be uh, part of this community or this, the people who call themselves religious. I think in Israel there's more of a split, uh, you know, religious and non-religious. Right. Uh, so I decided I'm not going to become religious. And I think... I'm still not religious, uh, but uh, within the years I learned to, or I felt 
I, at first I was angry in religious life, and but uh, with the years I am kind of uh, understanding the values of being part of a religious community, congregation, and I wouldn't say I'm now part of a religious community, but I do have uh, the place of Judaism within my life. I do follow sometimes. I do the Seder together with you so, last year through Zoom, or I, uh, you know, do Yom Kippur, or, you know, uh, and I, it does play a very big part in my identity, mm. you yeah. know, not in a formal way. Well, I, I was thinking of a few things while you were talking about how we define this thing of being Jewish, being religious or non-religious, and what that means in a European context, mm. also as being part of the diaspora, moving from where we come from. Right, we both not from Europe, Europe moved to Europe. But our ancestors come from Europe, mm -hmm, who mm -hmm. also left, and so we have an, another perspective on, uh, on Europe. Mm -hmm. And how um, I'm also thinking about how uh, people who are not Jewish look at uh, Jewish identity and understand perhaps what Judaism is, especially in a European context where Judaism is often very not present, let's say, in certain cities. But then I would say here you don't talk about it and you don't really think about it if you're not Jewish, you don't notice it at all. Right. I think for you, it would probably be a different answer than for me. What What is your answer? How do you feel Jewish here? Well, I was just thinking about, like, when people think about Judaism, I often have this impression that they're shaping that based on a sort of stereotype of uh, the Orthodox Jew in Antwerpen. Well, we have to, for me at least, there's a di uh, division between Jewish identity as a nationality and Jewish identity as a religion, right? Right, so, but even... Even the, um, like, maybe uh, people here would think, oh, I know some people who are Jewish, but they're non-religious Jewish. Mm -hmm. And I would think, uh, they would say, but I know, uh, I've seen a Jewish person when I'm in Antwerp and at the train station in the, right. this diamond district. Mm -hmm. But that there's much less of an understanding of all the Jewish people who are in between right. that, that mm -hmm. difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I don't consider myself a non-religious Jew, although I don't belong to a community mm -hmm. that doesn't make me not religious. It just doesn't make me part of a congregation. Yeah. Well, I see it differently because I was uh, brought in much more of a dichotomy, understanding of religion. Uh, so, yeah. But I guess uh, in the scale there are lots of... Uh, connection to Judaism as a culture, not only... I see it more as a culturally thing, my connection so much as a religious thing. Sure, I mean, that's, I would say, you know, also in the United States, that's the the dominant group of Jewish people are the Jewish people who don't feel that they are part of a uh, congregation, but that the Judaism is still a big importance to their identity and to their ethnicity. Although this has its own issues of... Um, framing what a kind of typical Jew is as like typically Ashkenazi mm. um, background, so East European Jewish background. And um, that also sort of silences all the diversity within Judaism of Jews of color or Sephardic That's in, in, Jews, in the U.S. Yemenite you see Jews. mainly uh, Ashkenazi. Right. But here in Europe you also see the mix of people coming from uh, North, North Africa. Africa. In Israel, you see really all of them. In Israel, it's totally a different identity because you are Israeli, so all of us are Jewish. I mean, there there is also the Arab minority, but um, but uh, every Israeli Jew is like is a Jew. So there's not so much of a defining of. Uh, there's less of a need to define ourselves as religious connected to Judaism because we are all Israelis and we're all part of the same community, so to speak. So coming here to Europe really changed uh, my understanding of Judaism in that sense because I wasn't part of the group enrolling and uh, now I became a minority all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And it was really weird. And then uh, there were also a lot of stories... You know, I grew up about Europe, uh, the Shoah, the Holocaust, and you know, and first time going on the train in Europe, <laughs> that was the, my immediate, because uh, at that time I came to Europe around 12 years ago, at that time there was not really a national train 
running in Israel. So when I came to Europe, I started using trains for the first time in the trains in the, in the temperature and like outside was uh, winter. So immediately when I went on the train, it kind of reminded me of like all the Shaw films. Mm, wow. <laughs> so it was really this weird feeling of uh, coming back to Europe. And then I didn't speak the languages, but you know, and growing up in Jerusalem, I heard uh, Yiddish. So I kind of got a bit of the the Dutch and the German because it kind of reminded me of uh, the way I grew up with. I have yeah. a similar story, which was when I first came to the Netherlands. I came to the Netherlands nine years ago, but in 2008, I was for half a year doing uh, exchange study. And I remember as a kid learning about Anne Frank and watching the film of the diary of right. Anne Frank and you have the sound of the police siren in this film mm -hmm. and it's a really distinct police siren that's very different from from the American siren which right. is like and then the Dutch one is like and that kind of sound is the same today as it was then mm -hmm. so I have this image from this film that was stuck in me <laughs> and then when I came there and I heard this sound for real it was also a kind of confrontation with yeah. that image. Yeah. And I think that that's, of course, something when you grow up outside of Europe, the Shoah has a certain mystery about it because you don't connect it to a physicality that's, right. that's here. True, true. And then when we come here and then we like are walking around and we see the bronze memorials on the, on the ground mm -hmm. or we have images of the cities and the streets and... Or if I go, I visited the places where my family came from in Europe and also the sense of like how strange it is to imagine them walking there and me walking there now and how these two histories like overlap each other. Do you feel sometimes anti-Semitism? I don't feel anti-Semitism directed to me. Not that I can be aware of exactly. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I know it's there. I mean, there's moments I've had anti-Semitic experiences in Lithuania at a bar this guy was uh, kind of very aggressively trying to tell me um, uh, the Lithuanians were good to the Jewish people, right? Right? They were good to the Jewish people. And it was like really uh, uncomfortable because it was sort of his own um, doubts or confrontations with his own identity and past trying to push away any feeling that there's a problem of the past mm. and and using me as a Jewish person to feel good about himself and I don't I don't know much about the situation I mean since then I've learned more and learned that a lot of the history with Lithuania is very problematic and that there was strong Lithuanian nationalism that was the ones who were perpetrating a lot of the crimes during the Holocaust so right. To say that the Lithuanian people were good to Jewish people is really a, not a correct thing to say. Yes, they uh, welcomed Jewish people throughout history, but of course during uh, World War II, they weren't so welcoming and they were selling out their neighbors and murdering them. So that's an experience of anti-Semitism. But I'm not walking around wearing a yarmulke. Yeah, well, I have to say the same, but even... so. I didn't feel anti-Semitism because I don't also look or dress like a, a Jew. Uh, the first time I encountered it very strongly was when I went to Warsaw and someone in the bar said, "Ah, oh, you are Jewish. I want to be. We love Jews. I want to be Jewish." And one day, and when when I, when I went to um, Poland to Warsaw, I made like I wanted to like I I wore like a Jewish cross on on my necklace. I was like. I want to feel, I, I had this thing, feisty thing of being a Jew there. So uh, I was pushing it in the face, I was, uh, I felt like trying it out. And then on the bar with this guy was saying to me, oh, we love Jews, we want to be Jewish. I said, so I made a whole joke out of it. I said like, oh, you want to be Jewish? Okay, give me five euros, I'll make you a Jew. I'll make you a Jew. And then I gave him my necklace for five minutes so you can be a Jew for five minutes. So I made a joke out of it. But... After a few years of being here, and, you know, there are remarks that, you know, even people close to you, friends make, yeah. that you wouldn't necessarily, like, call it, you know, at first you wouldn't think it was anti-Semi. But the more I, I get, the more I feel, actually, the more I hear it, uh, you would think you would feel it less, but 
actually you think about it more and then I feel a bit of um, like the fact that every time someone hears I'm from Israel will talk about oh but Israel it's very problematic you are uh, you know and you know everybody would judge any work of mine as Jewish you know anything I would do is even like if the artwork you know has nothing to do with uh, even if my work is not oh but it's about the Shoah it's uh, you know it's like even if it does and I wouldn't say it's, and I, I'm sure people don't have the intent uh, to call it, uh, to be anti-Semi or to, to, or they would call themselves, as, uh, or they describe themselves, someone intolerant to Jew, Jewish people. But the fact that you are always framed within your Jewish identity, I find it uh, uncomfortable, you know. Mm. I find it like people are will always. Uh, it's uh, it's like I mean I don't want to compare it to other minorities, but you always are framed within your minority and not seen as a human being, you know. This it's like is you the always take your of all minorities, yeah, but the true. difference that's is true. that we don't wear it on our skin. Yeah, but if someone hears you're Jewish, like sometimes you have people. Everything that is about you is going to be, oh, but you're Jewish. Oh, but you probably are a very good business person, yeah, you yeah. know? I mean, that for yeah. me is the biggest form of anti-Semitism, is the, the assumption of um, everything that you focus on is money. Yeah. And that Jewish people are all rich, and um, that, they, that there is this assumption that's very deep, Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. the culture. I mean, I would say Jewish people also carry this idea of Jewish people being related to money, either as a joke or as a reality. Yeah, we are. But of, of course, the there's a whole history and reason behind that is thing having to do with which jobs Jewish people were allowed to do. And because they were the ones forced to hold the money in certain um S uh, certain societies yeah, yeah. they became better skilled at doing that job yeah. and they were the ones who were in control of it so it's a kind of um, self-fulfilling prophecy to say Jewish people are linked to money when yeah, Jews were forced yeah. to be linked to money but I don't think that that stereotype has gone away and you can see that in the uh, carnival float in Alst where the um, float had a Hasidic Jew standing on bags of money. Yeah, I mean, every minority has their jokes about them, and it goes to any direction. And as a Jew, again, we, we take jokes very... I mean, I, I, I feel like I take those jokes good, you know? I'm not... Uh, so, so it's okay. But at some point, you kind of think to yourself, when am I going to get rid of this... Mm. Uh, I don't want this anymore. It's not part of my identity. Not as Jewish, not as a person. So why do you always have? Do people always have to direct me back there? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting. This um, uh, um, so you, you as a Jewish person, you're not immediately seen as a Jewish person unless you wear clothes that identify you as. Or such. even you say you say you're a Jew. Or yeah. you say you're a yeah. Jewish person, but. Um, the moment somebody learns my name, mm -hmm. they assume I'm Jewish. Mm -hmm. Even even if I just tell somebody, yeah, my name's David, mm -hmm. the person might immediately just ask, are you Jewish? Mm -hmm. Which is kind of weird. It's not that I ask somebody immediately, are you Christian? Mm -hmm. Or, uh, of course, that's not so different from somebody asking, where are you from? When they want to know where your ethnic background is mm -hmm. to someone mm -hmm. of color. But um, I've had it where people just feel that they can sense in their uh, sixth sense that mm, I'm Jewish. Mm. I've also had it with close uh, family things of a European situation, uh, non-Jewish people who say like, oh, but Dave, David's not like uh, other Jews. He's a free thinker. <laughs> really? Yeah. Which is super offensive and they don't realize it. It's actually it. a Jew, uh, Jewish people were well enough to be free thinkers. At least, at least. That's how I uh, grew up, you know. Mm. Oh, the communism and the Marxism and whatever. Well, yeah, come from such a, a deep philosophical Yeah, it's all about... Uh, yeah. Wait, okay, so and we're going to a dead end with this thing, with this anger against being minority. Yeah, I yeah. mean... Yeah. Maybe we should go we're not to even, other, We haven't even yeah. gone into the arts of it. Yeah, exactly. Which is something that... Exactly. In fact, I was thinking a lot about recently, which is... Well, the reason why I start to think more about Judaism in, in, in my artwork... Mm -hmm. I think it's that I want to express my Judaism mm -hmm. because I start to feel that I want to show 
um, the multiplicity and the diversity of Jewish ways of thinking. Uh, on my way here, I was thinking about the difference, how you approach Judaism in your art and how I do. Mm. And I think it's also because I come from an orthodox and dichotomic uh, a background uh, and you have more of a flow within your life with Judaism. I find that you, as an artist, like you are a Jewish artist and you find yourself, you make artifacts that help you be Jewish or that connect you, you create more rituals within, your expanding rituals within Judaism. Is that right? Sure. Yeah. And I am more of like, or the way I approach Judaism within my art, some of my works, some of them don't have to do with Judaism, I kind of think about, I, I use art, I go out of being Jewish when I'm an artist, now wearing the, the hat of the artist, and I am now thinking about Judaism through the art, or like, and sometimes I use the tools, but more the thinking tool, the philosophical tools of Judaism, into my art, integrate them into my art as tools. But it's not that I am using art to be a better Jew or something. I wouldn't say that I'm using art to be a better Jew. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I don't like this Sorry. distinction <laughs> of a better or a worse Jew. Yeah, okay. I find this, I mean, it brings up some kind of traumas that true, I have of, true, true. of uh, uh, Orthodox or Hasidic Jewish people telling me that I am not a real Jew, mm -hmm. which is super offensive and, and upsetting. But... Um, I think that my practice is grounded in physicality mm -hmm. and in a fascination with objects and the way that we relate to objects and the way that objects can allow us to enter into almost a transcendental state of mind or experience. Mm -hmm. So I see that also in Judaism in the way that objects are used in ritual practice, whether it's the talit, the prayer shawl, or the, the yad the um, mm -hmm. the hand with the which is the pointer that's used to read the Torah. Mm -hmm. There is all these different objects that are that are used to used for practical purposes, but also used for uh, spiritual ceremonial purposes, and that fascinates me. And what do you do with these? So you know the knowledge. How do you use it in your art? I give an example of something that I haven't made yet, but I'm thinking about making. Okay. Which is um, based on the Yad, the Torah pointer, which is a silver stick with a little hand at the end of it that's pointing. And I want to combine this with a Chinese object called a Ruyi scepter, which is um, a kind of a staff, a religious object in Buddhism that has a kind of curving handle and on one end a sort of flat part. And I want to combine that with a Buddhist figure that has all these many arms. So I'm taking a, an object and I'm combining it with another tradition, but also that involves the, the ideas of the symbolisms of arms and hands. So it becomes a kind of mutant spiritual object that can change the way that we, we think about this object. So how would you use the, this object that you're going to make? How is it going to be used? Well, I don't know whether it will be used in a performance or in a religious setting, but it's it's the existence of the object already provokes the questions. Okay. So okay. in that sense, you can say it's being used. So but you... maybe that's also a difference between us that I work with performance. So there is this question of use that's mm -hmm. different than... than yeah, for me, work. I would never... I would always expose an object, not never with the, this idea of being a prop for something, so to speak. So... I don't know. Um, I have a question for you, which is um, about the idea of practicing Judaism yeah. as an artist. Yeah. That the idea of making Jewish art as a practice of Judaism itself. I had a talk uh, recently with Yael Bartana. Yeah. I was in this shofar school from the Kunsten Festival des Arts. Mm -hmm. And it was a four-week program where we discussed the shofar which is this ram's horn that's blown at the new year and on Yom mm -hmm. Kippur and the four-week session was based around questioning how we can think about the shofar differently today and I asked Yael whether she thought that what we were doing in the shofar school itself was practicing Judaism and what she say she didn't really answer the question but I, I want to ask the question to you because I think um, I think that there is something to the idea that to practice Judaism doesn't only mean to do the normal traditions of Judaism or to be in prayer, but to ask 
to see it as a more expanded um, uh, idea. Again, coming from an uh, orthodox background, I have the division between a religious use and a religious function and a folklore, like a function, a cultural function. So, I guess you're using Judaism, you're doing Judaism, you're expanding uh, the knowledge of an outsider of Jew Jewish tradition. Uh, maybe you're even doing, uh, in, in Hebrew you say, a light for the non-Jews, for the Gentiles, like you're showing the nice side of uh, Judaism to, to non-Jews or to the public. Um, traditionally, there are very traditionally religious. In religious tradition, you have to use the shofar for specific moments in the prayer of uh, Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur. And if you weren't using it, it was just, you know, a secular use of this uh, object. But to me, the... the and you're Judaism, asking me personally how I feel it? Well, I think that Judaism is a lot about discussion, yeah. a lot about questioning. True, true, true. So the whole history of Judaism is based around a kind of um, reinterpretations and um, analysis to like what something means and mm -hmm. how we can uh, practice that meaning or understand that meaning. Mm -hmm. So to me, like to discuss what is the meaning of the shofar is is in the same tradition as rabbis who were discussing meanings of parts of the Torah. In in that sense, I agree with you. Yes, yeah. I think that when we are talking about Judaism, even if we are not, um, if how to say, if I it's think not that part we, of the we can expand the religion, and in so doing, we are also practicing Judaism. Mm -hmm. So, to me, to to make Jewish art is to practice Judaism in another way in a way that maybe the Orthodox Jew wouldn't understand or, or consider as Judaism, but it's not part of a community other than the community, of the, the arts community. Well, the difference between me and you, I think, in that sense, that when you do and you feel like you're expanding your Jewish practice, when I do it, I don't think it's I'm doing something uh, that is... Uh, I'm not doing much for my Judaism. I'm doing as a human thinking about my Jewish uh, identity. But it's not as, uh, yeah. Well, I also think like this, for example, I have a sculpture called Reminder, which is an abstract um, rectangular wooden object that is on the wall. And it reminds me of a mezuzah, mm -hmm. which is the this little rectangular box that's placed on the doorpost of the home. And normally it has a scroll in it that's handwritten uh, one of the holiest prayers. And this is traditionally put on the doorpost of, of your home, but also other doorways within the home. And you you see this and it reminds you of your beliefs and ideas and, and you touch it and you receive a kiss from it, a blessing from it. And to me, the, to make a sculpture that is uh, abstract, that reminds me of that object, also makes me think about what is the purpose of that object, the meaning of that object. So if you were to take the mezuzah outside of a strictly Jewish context, you could see the value of an object that makes you think about a threshold, a daily threshold that you're experiencing, where you go from outside to inside your home, or from inside your home outside to outside your home. And that, that moment, although it's just this brief second, has a certain significance. Mm -hmm. And I feel that a lot of Jewish practices are about uh, putting a mindfulness to those moments. Um, when I say that I'm using language, it means that um, I um, I look at not only the content of the language, but also the um, the the way it sounds, the way it looks. And it has a, sort of like a, 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 a mysticism or a spirituality about it. Uh, and I guess that's where I connect to art, because art history, you know, or there are many artists that use language not so much as a vessel, uh, more as an object. And it kind of echoes things I know 
through my Jewish upbringing and understanding of language. Uh, so with that, I feel like I'm connecting between the two, and, and I feel like it's close to me. I, I bring the art close to me to the place where I grew up with. Um, But do you see um, a way that that influences outside the Jewish context? Like, do you see how that maybe would bring someone who doesn't know anything about Judaism to another understanding of the way that they use language? Yeah, I'm asking myself that. Um, for some reason, I can't think specifically or consciously how it, but I'm sure that the way I have, the connection I have to language is different than someone with a different language uh, Um, would use language. Um, I feel like, uh, and also songs, you know, Jewish songs, and the way I sing in early works of mine. I don't do it so much, I don't do video so much these days, but when I did video and I used my, uh, my singing voice, I would, uh, I would use it, I would look at it as a, as a prayer. Because I feel like when you sing by yourself, in a way it's a prayer. Um, less than a poem or just a song, it's a prayer. Uh, because this is how I grew up with singing. Singing is always, we're talking to about our spiritual being or, you know, we're connecting to God or we are talking about the experience I mean, I think in a way singing has a link to spirituality for me. Yeah. You also have it, right? You also sing Definitely. a lot. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, I also have this feeling more recently of becoming more interested and curious into how I can influence Judaism in my work or how Judaism is influencing my work. Um, also because I recognize that I have a certain foundation from Judaism that is... Um, affecting the way that I see the world mm -hmm. and that there's so much rich history that I can look into that will influence me that maybe uh, a lot of people are not aware of because then why would they look at Jewish history, Jewish objects and for their, uh, for their work, for their research. But I have a certain foundation that allows me then to have an entrance point to looking into this kind of history. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's that's also something that I recognize more recently as something, um, yeah, something that I can look mm -hmm. more into and find value and in interesting stories. Um, I want to wondering, do you want to wait? I want okay, one yeah. one last thing I want to bring up. I feel like since I come from a religious background and I stopped and like I I constantly say that uh, feel that. Uh, my art practice and the way I see art is actually a substitute for my religious world. Mm. And I feel like there was a need to, uh, in my religious life, there was a, this idea of thinking about life, of doing things that are not uh, purposeful necessarily or uh, don't have a point or, uh, yeah, in, uh, in daily life. And... These are rituals that you do in the synagogue, you would do at home. And if you're secular, you don't have these rituals anymore. So you're creating them within. So art provides you a place to create them. So that's where, you know, I, I was connected to art in that sense. Yeah. I have a question for you, which is about uh, the question of community, which mm -hmm. I feel is very central to Jewish people and to practicing Judaism in a traditional sense yeah and I'm wondering whether that is something that's interesting in an arts uh, uh, understanding because obviously the arts is also kind of community mm -hmm. and we have our meeting places of the art openings or the um, gallery shows or whatever um, I'm wondering whether it's interesting for Jewish artists to meet with each other to talk about Judaism or their artwork in relation to Judaism. Because what I had with this shofar school I found super fascinating. Mm -hmm. Because what I liked so much was that we didn't approach the subject of the shofar from first from a Jewish perspective, 
like the the framing of the whole event was not from a Jewish institution. It came mm -hmm. from an arts institution. Yeah. So there was a certain freedom from the pressure of Jewish institutions. Mm -hmm. I agree. Okay. And I so mean, I'm understand. I'm wondering like, is there a value for Jewish artists to meet each other in mm -hmm. outside of a Jewish context? Um. So I was when I started the art. I started in Israel and every Jewish and. Uh, and Israeli, we didn't really discuss this thing. And now, after a few years in Europe, I meet more. I meet someone like you, someone, uh, other uh, Jewish artists, and it feels like uh, maybe we look at it. We have a community within a community, uh, or like we have a background. We have something engraved in engraved in our identity that we suddenly find similarities. Um, I wonder how much interesting it is for the outsider and I wonder whether we are again framing ourselves and maybe exotifying ourselves all of a sure. sudden. I mean, I it took me a long time to get away from it and I think that it was valid to get away from it because I wanted to be more of uh, to communicate with uh, a larger a larger crowd or uh, like a be more universal in my uh, context and therefore maybe closer to some kind of a, a core nerve which is non, not mediated culturally and then going back to a culture mediation that then it has its uh, pros and cons yeah that's why I, how I feel about it and in my artwork now by the way I'm actually dealing with the idea of uh, congregation right I'm doing all these uh, yoga uh, paintings that I'm asking myself how does a congregation function within a secular uh, world so yeah hmm. I'm also now making a lot of drawings where I'm drawing this Judenhut this middle, middle right. ages Jewish hat and thinking about it as this kind of ancient technology of communication because mm -hmm. it has this antenna like shape on the top of it that's funny like <laughs> alien flying saucer and I'm also thinking about that sense of uh, community that can happen not necessarily on a direct physical level but also um, either on a kind of metaphysical or on a, a more remote, remote connection between people like even if we are not uh, literally meeting we are still interconnected with each other we're right. still practicing a Jewishness even uh, through uh, through other means and we maybe have done that always. So, um, but I, I'm more and more recently after this experience with Kunsten Festival of Arts, really thinking about why not to actually have a group that that meets or to discuss these things because I think there can be a value. You're mm -hmm. right that it can exoticize, but making Jewish art, you're already putting yourself in that position of exoticizing. Well, I'm your not identity. making Jewish art. What is it? I don't see myself as making Jewish art. Yeah, but if you're making work that deals with Jewish subjects... I'm not uh, making work that deals with Jewish art, uh, subject right now. My my art is influenced by, by my Jewish uh, identity and my knowledge of Judaism and my thinking of Judaism. Uh, but it's not that I'm making uh, Jewish art. So uh, we received some questions for two Jewish artists from level five, and we're going to try and answer some of these from uh, the, community, the, general, from the community, the uh, general community of artists to the Jewish community of artists. <laughs> so let's start. Um, Are we going to ask say their names or is it not? Yeah. Okay. So let's start with a question from Perry. Okay. She asks, is there a Jewish sensibility in art making? A perspective, a humor, a feeling for materials. That's a really good question. You want to start? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is that um, in this book that I got recently uh, from Studio Rosenthaliana, which is a research center in Amsterdam, there's an interesting essay that touches on this question. Mm -hmm. And um, it looks at the history of mm, Jewish art in the Alsace region. And um, it's basically main thesis is that... Where's the Alsace? That's in the border area between Germany and France. Okay. And I think this was... Let me see how I find the book. I think it's from the 1700 time they're looking at in this chapter. 
So, um, here we go. So the author is Freddy Raphael, and it's the title of the essay's Popular Art of the Jewish Communities in Alsace at the time of their entry into the modern period, so in the 17th century. And uh, what the author's main thesis is, is that Jewish art is only Jewish because it uses Jewish subjects. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to depict symbols or stories from Judaism, then it's Jewish art. But if the uh, but it but when considering the stylistic quality of the Jewish art, it just takes whatever is the local style. Do into you agree it. with that? Well, maybe at that time mm -hmm. it could be yeah. like that in that location. Yeah. So. They're making paintings just like the, the local Alsatians are making paintings, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but then just with Jewish subject matter. But today, most artists are secular. I mean, Jewish artists are secular. So this division is different because maybe they are not making uh, Jewish objects or objects for Judaism necessarily. So just their art and their taste and their style is informed by them being uh, brought up Jewish. But what is then the Jewish aesthetics? Okay, so then we can talk about that. I mean, that's the that's what they said in the article. But I feel that the, I am very much informed by, or my sense of aesthetics is totally comes from how I grew up, and, and like let's say uh, in my family, or there's this idea of uh, not idolizing, and um, I think that. The way I was brought up, there's sort of uh, looking down on physical physicality of uh, things and the aesthetics of things. Things have to be functional, first of all. Like, it's not the earthy world that we are looking at. It's like the spiritual world. And if it's for the spirituality, then maybe you can give it more aesthetic. So all the objects for the synagogue or for prayer or for the Shabbos table, they were beautified. But then they also had a sense of aesthetics which was not too much informed and too much uh, articulated. And I always found it as someone who was into art from very early age and uh, had like an ongoing interest in aesthetic to find out what exactly are the rules of this non-aesthetic aesthetic. And there is this a certain density uh, of... Uh, I always like the ultra-Orthodox in Jerusalem density in their aesthetics the um, Hasidic community right. is coming from villages in Eastern Europe, which right. were mostly poor and had a certain basicness to life linked to farmlands and And you have and to basic understand materials. in Israel it was really ridiculous. I mean, you see all these felt, uh, felt uh, curtains on the synagogue and all these heavy wood, and you're living in a Mediterranean country and it all doesn't fit in... It's very funny, I find, and I find it cool in a way. I find, and I like, and normally these these communities are very poor. So in a way, you also see the fake, uh, how do you call it, uh, wood for mica, you say? Uh, that, uh, so it's like cheap plastic that, uh, or plastic wood that looks like very heavy wood. And like the imitation, it imitates something really, that I would find not aesthetic to begin with, but it's an imitation of an, a non-aesthetic for me, which but is I, also I, funny. I think that this, uh, this aesthetic is still not particularly Jewish. It's Jewish because that, that is then taken in as the aesthetics of the, of the Hasidic people, let's say. But as I was saying, it's coming from a certain place and a certain reason, and you can find that same aesthetic with people who are non-Jewish. Well, everything about Jewish is not originally Jewish. It's like a, it's a long, long tradition that came from different different places in diaspora. And then they took upon them a lot of uh, uh, aesthetics, traditions, and, uh, and rituals, and then be made it Jewish. And I think because it's a diaspora that has gone very, uh, so many years and so many places, then it's really eclectic. But that's what makes Judaism Judaism, I think. Yeah, but that's also what I think so interesting when I'm looking into this book is that they'll talk about silver uh, making in Germany mm. in the 19th century and and they'll show images from catalogs and these silver companies, mm -hmm. the majority of them were non-Jewish and they were producing Jewish silver objects as well as uh, non-Jewish silver objects. 
and the non-Jewish silver objects and the Jewish silver objects have the same aesthetics, but one is for a Jewish purpose and one is for a more secular purpose or a Christian purpose. And it, it, it's just um, about the subject matter. Let's move on to another question. Okay. So let's look at this question from Sira. From Sira, okay. Sira says, Good morning. So I guess I wanted to ask you Jews if you feel like you identify as part of a minority group and how that makes you connect or not to other minority groups. And also, what does it mean to be treated as a minority group when actually Judaism is now and for a while associated with great wealth and influencing power? Well, we talked about it in the beginning, yeah. yeah. But uh, I guess we came to the conclusion we are. But maybe we are more aware of us being a minority and the anti-Semitism, as we talked before, because there is a total awareness of us, to mi- of minorities. I mean, this is the trend of uh, our politics these days. Um, and I think it's great. And it also makes us look at uh, our, uh, how others treat us as minorities, how, yeah. I think that the, this question is really difficult hard mm-hmm. to answer. I mean, first of all, I'm not sure I completely agree with her statement that Jews have for a long time been in a position of power and great wealth. There are some Jewish people who have been in positions of power and wealth, and certainly those are the ones that we know of because they're the ones that get recorded into history and they shape a certain way that people view Judaism. But we know that there's lots of Jewish people who lived on farmlands, who were very poor in Eastern Europe, who migrated to Western Europe for better opportunities. I think that Jewish people are very, as a whole, in the consciousness, have a lot of power. And I think uh, we are a minority in power. We are a very small group of people around the world. But... Uh, a lot of Jews are very much in power positions, whether it's in entertainment or in politics or elsewhere, maybe not in sports. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, no, I mean, of course, I I completely agree. But I'm just saying that I'm not sure if we always were in such a position of power. It changed with the more um, relaxed uh, controls of the Jewish population by the government forces. I'm talking about a longer history than just the past hundred years. I think that uh, how we see Jewish orthodoxy, that's where I you know these days it's uh, it came about around 200, th- I don't know when was it exactly, but somewhere in Poland it became like the Jewish orthodoxy as we see it today and it was all about studying and learning, right? It was all about text. And um, I think that um, there, that uh, the fact that we were a very learned community made us a very powerful community. And for good and for better, because I feel like a lot of times I, s- I look at uh, Jewish intelligentsia and I find it too... Uh, analytical and I think that that's the that's the blind spot of uh, Jewish intelligentsia and sometimes they are arrogant and masculine thinking if you uh, you can say such a thing Uh, and I find it uh, that in that sense, we should expand as Jews, but uh, maybe it's not connected so much to the question. But if we were in power, I think that was uh, the reason for us to be in power position because of the very brainy, practical uh, orientation of the education. Because also the Jewish um, law is all about how to live a life, right? It's all about... uh, what do you do in a certain situation? The Talmud, which Orthodox Jews learned for many years, uh, is all about, it's like a law book. You know, you have a situation where this cow ate from, from someone else's um, 
field? Is it the fault of, of uh, the one who... So it's all these kind of uh, small questions that are about law. It's all about practicalities. And this is where the society was oriented to solve troubleshooting, kind of. And, uh, and that's our intelligence. So it becomes very good, very handy when making money and being in power and uh, getting power. Yep. Yeah, I would say that a lot of the Jewish power came from being good at trade mm -hmm, in markets. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because in a lot of um, these small villages in East Europe, the Jewish people were the ones who were running the shops. They were merchants, they were good at trade and building trade relationships. It's a small community where people are all very interconnected and, yeah. and very uh, dependent on each other and, and supportive of each other. There's yeah, a certain yeah. sense of requirement that you would... Uh, focus on your own community. And then again, we come back to the discursiveness, which are, again, it's very much about uh, Jewish people, people very literal or very uh, communicate about their ideas and they have to articulate uh, their ideas because they constantly have to uh, question each other about it and discuss. Yeah. So shall we go on to another question? Yes, let's go to another question. Okay. Okay. So this is a question from Kevin. Mm-hmm. I have a question for the show. Thinking about belief, how do you feel belief is articulated within art and also in Judaism? So the relationship of, of belief between art and Judaism. Um, I think belief in Judaism is again a very, very interesting concept. Because uh, there's all this, this is a big idea. Like I think that Christianity is considered the... the um, uh, religion of the heart, right? And it's like uh, you have to love God in your heart. And for Jewish people, it's your deeds. Like you can, it's not so much about the heart. I mean, they have this saying that you have to love God in your heart. But in the end of the day, it's hard to see. Uh, there's a lot of sayings about uh, you do the deeds and afterwards come the heart and like this uh, idea in the in the Bible oh that's how I was brought up uh, this uh, idea of we uh, the Jews got the temple and the ten temples how do you and, the, and not the Jews the Hebrews got the ten temples and and they said uh, we'll first do and then we'll hear that's what they say and that's the big thing uh, that you first do and then understand it. Mm. You are accepting rules which you don't understand. So it's all about the doing and then your heart comes into it. It's practicality again. So when it comes to belief, yeah, uh, you have to believe in your community, you have to believe in the system. Uh, but the idea of seeing God, God is very abstract and uh, it's not like you can really imagine it, or you're supposed to really imagine it abstractly. So uh, you have to, so your belief is quite open in that sense. I think the way that I grew up was this reconstructionist system that um, when I read more about it recently, I un understood that for Mordechai Kaplan, God was definitely not a being, mm -hmm. not a higher power, mm -hmm. and uh, not personal mm -hmm. so God could just be seen as a kind of mm, beingness of the world maybe or sort of connectedness or um, that which we don't understand or don't know mm -hmm. and uh, but when I grew up I was influenced very heavily by Christian culture because of growing up in the United States right. that's the dominant culture so God became this sort of uh, cliche idea of a white man with a beard who, who reaches out his arms to do stuff mm -hmm. and that seemed so silly to me and mm -hmm. it really pushed me away from the religion and I, and I remember f feeling like if, if religion is based all around belief and if I don't believe in this then why am I spending any time doing anything or paying attention to it so it was real rejection and it's only later that I understand that belief is can be really understood quite differently, whether it's on a very abstract level, like you're talking about, or practical level, but it can also be, um, uh, you don't have to believe in God, you don't have to believe in higher power, and that doesn't mean you're not practicing the religion of Judaism, and it doesn't mean that you can't gain all kinds of uh, ideas and, and uh, interesting thoughts from the religion. And so, um, 
But I want to bring it back to to the question Wait, uh, just around to be arts. Clear, in the in the Bible itself, in the Old Testament, there the God is described very human, very ant- how do you say it? Yeah, I, anthropomorphic. Anthropo- um, big word, and um, uh, but you are supposed. But we, uh, I grew up with this idea of Maimonides. Maimonides that there's like the simple way of understanding and there's the more the sophisticated uh, higher way of understanding which is understanding it as just a metaphor for what it is yeah so yeah but that's w- that's where like with Mordechai Kaplan I think mm. he's taking that understanding of it and also understanding the belief as a flexible thing mm-hmm. and as a thing that you can determine for yourself how you choose to believe yeah so I I think so too, but also you have to have some kind of obedience to your history as a Jew and your the history of um, of rituals and lifestyle as a Jew. So with that, you know. Well, me personally, I think that to be Jewish is a very, very open thing, mm-hmm, and to mm-hmm. practice Judaism can be really, really open. Mm-hmm. But. Um, I like in this podcast, Judaism Unbound, mm-hmm. they talk about the Jewish technology, which is looking into the past, repeatedly uh, looking at the past and seeing value in it from a new perspective. So mm-hmm. we can look at something that seems outdated today and we can find a new meaning in it today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or we can say this doesn't make sense to us, so we're not going to follow that. And I think that the fact that we just continually look at the past, that's what they say is this Jewish technology. And I think of a parallel in um, the Japanese tea ceremony that you have a painting on the wall and this painting is always there. There's one painting for your whole life and you go to this tea ceremony and throughout your whole life you see this painting and the painting is not changing but you are changing so you're seeing different things in this painting so this is actually n- more of a traditional way of understanding not so much changing like the the picture doesn't change and i think that's what i like about uh reactionist or traditional understanding of or or conservative understanding of judaism it's like the picture doesn't change and you can really dislike some of it but you still are part it's still part of you yeah, you know, and but I you like can, that you fact. can choose different ways of relating to it. Yeah, but I like the fact that there's, in my tradition, what I like about Judaism and all the stories, it's not holy. There's something not holy about Judaism. There's lots of bad in there. It's a lot of corruption. I mean, but not so much like Christian corruption that you are, you, I don't know, I mean, I've never been like a, a Catholic you know, a Catholic also has some kind of uh, a corruption within it. But I think in Judaism, there are lots of the characters and lots of... Uh, you are never holy. Nobody's holy. It's always earthy. And, and it's amazing about that. Yeah. But I think then in this question that Kevin asks about the relationship of belief to art, mm-hmm. I think it's a very interesting question because for a lot of people who are maybe not religious at all, mm-hmm. they still have a belief maybe in their artwork or that their artwork has a certain power or mm-hmm. certain um, aura like Walter Benjamin talks about this aura right. of things mm-hmm. I think that like um, this typical question of like when do you think your work is done and you're you're working on it and then suddenly it's done that there's some magical quality yes, going on there yes, where you yes. feel a certain rightness of a thing mm-hmm. the thing starts to work some artists say like mm-hmm. this thing is uh, I see that this artwork works mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is also really weird language that we're using and I think uh, all of this is around also around questions of belief do we believe the artwork works mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do we believe the artwork has value mm-hmm. And I think that the value we give it is the fact that it's, um, it doesn't serve any purpose, which is also quite holy in itself. Yeah. And I think that this kind of uh, tea ceremony or this traditional uh, technology of Judaism, mm-hmm. we have a similar quality with, with artwork. Mm-hmm. At least I want to have such a relationship to artwork where I can go to a history museum of art and I can see the same artwork, but I can choose to to see it in new ways today. Mm-hmm. I can look back and, or I can look at the painting or a sculpture or whatever and I can say like, I want to make my own meaning out of this. I, I think it's because it's an world. object, so it doesn't talk for itself. The, it's something, there's something uh, uncanny or I- airy about 
an object that is uh, it has an existence and it has a value but it's it's uh, you can't change it it's a it's a uh, it's not mobile and that what makes things holy in a way uh, the fact that they have value but uh, but it's consistent without uh, being adjustable right yeah let's go to our last question so our last question it comes from Caroline mm -hmm. hi David I was wondering in what ways Judaism affects your practice and in what ways your practice influences you as a religious person mm -hmm. I remember that we once talked about the sense of community about going to another country and finding religious community there that you can join this reminds me a bit of the art community residencies etc I can imagine in this way your religion provides a sense of home without the dysfunctional tendencies that families tend to have. So I guess I'm wondering if your religion is something that you as an artist had to reshape into a way that was working for you or was it always a safe place and is this sense of community maybe a link between your practice and your religion? Again, this is a question for someone who sees themselves as a religious person. I'm not sure I, re I, re I, uh, I define myself as a religious person. I mean, maybe you I do. I do. Okay, so you I should answer it. You should, you should answer it. Well, I think that I have to, to change the way that I relate to Judaism. And that's changing over time as I'm learning more about it, listening to podcasts and thinking about Judaism in a more expanded way. Mm -hmm. And I think that the hardest part for me about relating to Judaism is the question of community because I don't know if I want to be part of a Jewish congregation, a synagogue, because I'm not sure if that form works for me. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's interesting listening to the podcast Judaism Unbound or the podcast Hashi Venu from the Reconstructionist Jewish Community, because these podcasts become another form of community, although it's not one where we are speaking together or practicing prayer, but where we are thinking I mean, I'm thinking with them as they're talking mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. Judaism. So it's changing the way. How that is I it different with it. Uh, any other podcast you listen to, and you're li you're informed by the podcast? It's like an uh, just a uh, well because of the subject matter. So it touches you. So you become you feel like it's part. You are a part of them. Yeah, but that's also then, it's changing the way that I think about the religion, and it's making me open and motivated and curious to think about how I can influence that in my life. Maybe we are, her, we are, in our times, looking at communities in a totally different way. And Jewish tradition has uh, a sense of community which is very old, very ancient. And they really, it's very much focused around community. But the communities in our days, it has a very, very important factor in our lives, especially in COVID times or whatever, we really are looking onto communities. But it's very, it has to, there's something in our understanding as Jewish people uh, of community that has to be readjusted and rethinked. Uh, so maybe as Jewish people, we think more about community. And we said already that Jewish people invented the communism or, <laughs> or some of them were communist leaders or whatever. Or uh, we're thinking about uh, Jewish behavior, Jewish um, community behavior or politics or whatever. And uh, I guess um, I guess it's because it comes from uh, the sense of Judaism of community. I yeah, I mean you can see it in the the minion. Yes, that's the the rule that for certain Jewish prayers you need to have ten adults be present. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think it's already built into the religion very, very and much in the core that you need to be a group to practice it. Yes, and I feel that what we're doing right now, this conversation is I think what I'm looking for also in a terms of being a Jewish artist is to have a feeling that I can talk about these questions, these ideas with somebody else who has that, mm -hmm. has some of that background or some of those same questions or thoughts, whether or not we, we have the same belief or the same way of um, feeling about the religion or thinking or practicing it. It's not necessarily what's important to me as a, as a Jewish person or as a Jewish artist. I just I'm interested in how we can find these new forms to practice another way of, of the religion with each other as mm -hmm. artists. And I think the artwork is a way that we're practicing it and the conversation as well. Um, I'm not sure I like to see art as part of a religion. 
I mean, I said differently, but I think that there's something really free about not being religious in art. It really frees you to to uh, not obey any kind of rules or not, you know. There's uh, certain rules of uh, intellectualism which is not religious. And I love about it that, that it's kind of an escape. It traditionally was escape, let's say, for many artists who have with Jewish upbringing to go to practice art, uh, literature, poetry, uh, comedy, uh, and laugh about or talk about Judaism, look at it from far away in a, in a place which has no rules, and that's what I about, like about uh, art. So I wouldn't like it to, be, it to become a religious place. I think that I like the way that the arts has a way of challenging how we think about things. Mm -hmm. It's not grounded in uh, um, an expectation or tradition in the way of like, this is what you should do. Although, mm -hmm. of course, there are traditions in the arts history about how to make art and what's considered good or bad art. But... I think that the, the art as a free space opens up the way that I think about the religion. Mm -hmm. And I really like that. Really so you're saying like what I am saying. It's not an extension of your religion, but no. it's a, a place, a heterotopic. Totally. Thing, yeah. and but, but, I, but I like that I can still think about Judaism within the arts. Yes. And that for me is practicing mm. Judaism. I don't think of it in a... A way that I uh, feel burdened by that, but I feel liberated by that, and I and I think that when I do that with other people, then I can only expand my mind and expand the ways that I think about uh, Jewish topics. Mm -hmm. That's very free, very nice. So maybe we should stop it there. Yes, thank okay. you all. Thank for you listening. very much for this conversation, thank you much, David. Eva, for everything. And uh, see you next time. <laughs> bye. Bye bye. Free, 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 free.